So please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 10 through 15, as Evan read for us. And also imagine with me that your job is to build bridges, not the metaphorical bridges, but literal bridges. And let's pretend that the bridge just east of here goes out. It, it crashes, it crumbles, it falls in. And so you have been tasked to build this new bridge. You've been tasked to design it and build it. And so after several months of planning and, and several more months of building, here is what you come up with. This right here. Not, not mod, this isn't a model of the bridge. No, this is the literal bridge that you come up with. Like this is the bridge that you want to put over the Missouri River between Nebraska and Iowa and have real cars drive over this. What's going to happen if you try to set this bridge up and have real cars drive over it? When it gets tested, it's going to be completely shattered, right? Completely destroyed. Why? Well, a couple of reasons. One, there's absolutely no foundation for this bridge. Like the foundation of this bridge is weak and it will crumble just like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry, Spencer, I ruined your, ruined your bridge. <laughs> but also... The problem is the materials. What this bridge is built out of, Legos. Legos are for toy cars in toy cities, not for real cars, real bridges, real roads. So the foundation is weak, but also the material is weak. And the moment this bridge is tested, it'll be destroyed. It won't last. And so building the church, much like building a bridge or any other structure, the foundation must be strong. And not only the foundation, but the materials that we use to build the church also need to be quality materials. If our foundation isn't strong, if the materials we use to build aren't strong in quality, then the work we're doing here won't last. But friends, if the salvation that we proclaim doesn't really save if the hope that we proclaim doesn't actually bring hope, if the power that we claim to live by doesn't actually transform people's lives, then this is just happy social hour and man-hyped religion. However, if there is a salvation that truly saves, if there is a hope that is truly secure, if there is a power that actually transforms our lives, then it should be to that hope that salvation, that power that we proclaim and we build the church on. And that's the Apostle Paul's both warning and encouragement for us in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15. The foundation of the church, the ministry, and the discipleship that we do matters. But how we build the church, how we do ministry, how we do discipleship also matters. And so here's the main point for us this morning. We build on Christ and we build with Christ. We build on Christ, and we build with Christ. And so to unpack this point, I want to look at sort of three ideas from the text. So a laying a foundation, building on the foundation, and then this reality of testing the work. So let's first talk about laying the foundation. In verse 10, the Apostle Paul highlights two sort of components of ministry. He talks about laying a foundation and then building on that foundation. According to the grace of God given to me, he writes, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. So this is Paul talking about, hey, I came into Corinth 
and I planted this church. I established this church. He proclaimed the gospel. People became Christians, and this church was started. A foundation was laid. But now there are others that have come in and are building upon it. But Paul first here is highlighting this foundation. And notice what he calls himself, a skilled master builder. Now, the word skilled there in the Greek is the word sophos. And the root word of that is Sophia, which we get our word wisdom from. So another way to say this is Paul is saying, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. So Paul, again, is contrasting worldly wisdom with the wisdom of God. He's saying, when I laid this foundation, Corinthians, when I, laid this, when I built this church, I was following the wisdom of God. I was exercising the wisdom of God in laying this foundation. Now, last week, uh, we looked at verses 5 through 9 and how Paul corrected both the Corinthians and our sense of leadership. And his point was God's leaders are God's servants dependent upon God's power. And part of being God's servant is this. You follow the wisdom of God in how you build. The way that you lay a foundation must follow the wisdom of God. You must be exercising the wisdom of God. That's what godly leaders do. That's what laying a foundation in the church is about. And in verse 11, Paul makes the foundation very clear for us. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ who 1 Corinthians 1.24 tells us is the very wisdom of God. He is the foundation. He's the foundation for our salvation. He's the foundation for our hope. He's the foundation of the power of God working in us. And so there is no other foundation other than Jesus Christ. No one can lay a foundation other than him. There's no other sure or solid foundation for us personally and us as a community. So we have to ask this question. Are you standing on the foundation of Christ and are we as a church standing on the foundation of Christ? But friends, anything less than Christ being our foundation is like building Lego bridges. It's not going to last. But look, our good works our performance, our ability to faithfully do the right thing or maybe not be so bad as the other person, look, that's no foundation because our goodness will always fail. We sin. We get selfish. Even in our best moments, our performance and our power can come up short. Our foundation can't be ourselves and our goodness and our own performance. Our foundation can't be our own wisdom, like our own intelligence, our own skill, are so, so limited. And if you want proof of that, look no further than our world right now. Like for all of our intelligence, for all of our skill, for all of our science, for all of our technology, the moment something outside of our control takes place, we fall apart. Our own wisdom, our own skill, our own ability cannot be our foundation. Our foundation can't even be our social relationships, like our ability to get along because we have things in common, like education or social class or the same political views or how we educate our kids or same life stage. That, that can't be our foundation. Why? Because as you know, in all relationships, eventually you're going to fight. Eventually there's going to be conflict. Uh, eventually there are going to be differences and we're not going to agree on everything. If our foundation isn't something greater than ourselves and, and, and those sort of worldly things that we have in common, we're going to eventually divide. We're going to pull apart. Or 
if our foundation is built around us and what we have in common, we're going to become insular. We're going to become selfish and prideful and try to keep everybody out when the church is to be this wonderful unity in diversity. And so our foundation cannot be ourselves. There is no other foundation for our lives and for our church community other than Jesus. And so again, let me ask the question, is Jesus your foundation? Is he our foundation together? Look, by God's grace, many of you in this room, Jesus is your foundation. And let me encourage you as your pastor, don't move away from that foundation. Don't look for salvation in any other. Don't look for hope in any other. Don't look for power in any other foundation. Let Jesus be your foundation. For us as a church collectively, First City, by God's grace, almost five years ago, we planted this church with Jesus as our foundation. And so for us collectively, us together, can we commit to stand on this foundation? No other foundation other than Christ for us together. No other hope for us than Christ. No other power for us as a community than Jesus. And as we go into this world and make disciples, as we proclaim the gospel, as we lay a foundation in people's lives, let the foundation we lay be Jesus. Let the salvation that we proclaim be Jesus. Let the hope that we proclaim be Jesus. Let the power that we call people to be Jesus. He's the only sure foundation. Friends, there's only one foundation strong enough to stand against sin and suffering. There's only one foundation strong enough to sustain us and transform us. There's only one foundation strong enough to unify us and keep us together as one people. There's only one foundation strong enough to stand against the gates of hell. That is Jesus Christ. So friends, let us stand. Let us stand on this foundation. Let us lay this foundation. We also build on the foundation of Christ. We lay a foundation, but we also build on the foundation. And just as we must be careful to lay a foundation, a solid foundation, we must be mindful of how we are to build on this foundation. As Paul says in verse 10, let each one take care how he builds upon it, build upon that foundation of Christ. And then in verses 12 and 13, he says this, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. Not only is the foundation important, but what we are using to build on the foundation. And this really is the thrust of Paul's heart. He's saying, hey, look, the foundation, Corinthians, like the foundation is strong and secure. Like he went in and he laid the correct foundation. He was confident in that. However, the way they were building, the, the, the way that the leaders in Corinth and the other members of the church were building was problematic and flawed. Their Jesus was their foundation, but they were building with worldly wisdom and methods, methods that were driven by power and status and success and image. And so listen, we make a grave mistake if we think that as long as Jesus is our foundation, then how we do ministry is really a free-for-all. Like, as long as Jesus is our foundation, we can slap Jesus on any ministry method. And as long as we mention him, as long as we talk about the gospel, then, hey, really, we can do whatever we want. But Paul is pushing strongly against that idea. It's not only the found, how we build the foundation, not only the foundation we lay, but also the materials that we use that matters. 
And this is why we not only build on Christ as our foundation, but we build with Christ, meaning Christ is our materials, our ministry methods, our Christ. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that there is only a one-size-fits-all method to ministry. I'm not saying, hey, First City, we got the market cornered on how we do ministry and everybody else should do it like us, and if they don't do it like us, they're wrong. No, there's freedom. There is freedom in ministry methods, but it's not a free-for-all. If our methods are not Christ-centered, if our methods are not Jesus-centered, if our materials and what we're building with isn't Christ, then our methods will not last Our means of discipleship and ministry will not last. And to make this point, Paul uses an analogy. The difference between gold and silver and precious stones and wood and hay and straw. Look, we recognize gold, silver, precious stones. These things are valuable. They're beautiful. Look, guys, when you buy your wife or your girlfriend jewelry, do you buy them jewelry made out of wood and hay and straw? Like, like, ladies, if your man is doing you wrong, come talk to me and we'll straighten him out. No, you buy gold and you buy silver and you buy precious jewels. Why? Because they're beautiful. They're valuable. Like, when, when you invest money, do you invest your money in the wood market or the hay market? No, you invest in gold and silver, precious stones. You, you invest in things that are valuable. All the great, like, heist movies, are the, are the criminals after Wood? Are they after hay and straw? No, they're after diamonds because they're valuable. We recognize that they're valuable, but it's not just that they're valuable, not just that they're beautiful. And this is more to Paul's point. The gold and silver and precious stones, they last. There's a lasting value. Wood and hay and straw, that breaks down. It deteriorates. It doesn't withstand among the elements when there's trial and there's testing, but gold and silver, and precious stones, these things have lasting quality. So the work we are doing, the ministry we're doing, the discipleship methods, are we using beautiful, valuable, lasting methods or the worthless, temporary, deteriorating methods of our own design? Are we building with the materials of Christ or something else? And again, friends, too often the church has not been careful in how she has built on the foundation of Christ. Too often the church has substituted the gold and silver and precious stones of Jesus and used the wood, hay, and straw of our man-made methods. Here's some examples. Instead of building with Christ as our materials, we've used entertainment and image-driven methods to excite us and move us and, and get us, stir us up emotionally, but there's actually no substance Like we think we're getting people excited about Jesus, but we're really driving them to entertainment. And here's what we're communicating when we do that. Jesus isn't enough. Jesus isn't compelling. The gospel isn't compelling. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this and and I pointed out like, look, there should be life. There should be an excitement. There should be joy. Like if if the spirit of God is moving, we're, we're not dead. We're not stoic but there's something vastly different between being moved and having joy and having emotion in the Lord and being moved by the glory of Christ and being entertained. If we're using entertainment-driven methods, friends, this is wood and hay and straw. Or instead of building with Christ as our materials, 
Too often the churches use methods of therapeutic self-help behavior modification. You want a better marriage? Try Jesus. You want to be a better parent? Try Jesus. You want better finances? Try Jesus. You want to be more successful? Try Jesus. What we end up using, doing is using Jesus for our own ends. Look, does Jesus transform these things? Absolutely. But it is an overflow of us submitting our lives to him and being transformed by him. We don't use Jesus as a means to an end. But if we're using these materials of therapeutic self-help behavior modification, Jesus becomes an end, a means to an end rather than the end itself. And here's what we end up communicating. If this is what we're using as our materials, if this is what we're driving, if this is how we're building, then we communicate, hey, you know what the Christian life is about? It's about what nice, moral, middle-class, hardworking, conservative people do rather than dying to ourselves, following Christ, and taking up our cross. This is what happens when we build with wood, hay, and straw. We build people into the American dream rather than the kingdom of God. Or instead of building with Christ as our materials, we've imported the civil religion of politics. We dress up our Christianity in politics. Jesus becomes a, mean, a means to make us better Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians or Green Party or whatever flavor of politics you enjoy. And so what happens is Jesus becomes about your political agenda. And this happens whether you're liberal or conservative. Let's not pretend that this is just one side of the spectrum that does this. You know, sadly, most mainline denominations have stepped away from the gold and silver and precious jewels of Jesus and substituted with liberal social justice causes. But it's not just the left that does this, the right does it as well. Recently, I came across this new church network called Patriot Church. And here's their tagline. A church of Christians who love Jesus and love the United States of America. Like, that's their mission statement. Look, being a Christian should absolutely shape your politics. Don't, don't miss me on this. We should absolutely care about social justice. It's good to love your country and want its good. But when we're using politics as the materials with which we're building the church, we're building with wood and hay and straw. Politics. Social justice, like that's not our salvation, that's not our hope. Us being better husbands and wives and parents and better with our money and more successful and, and experiencing more happiness, like that, that's good, but that's not our hope. The Spirit of God is not more powerfully experienced because we're being entertained or worked into an emotional high. Political systems, social justice, it's deeply broken is deeply flawed, can be deeply corrupt at times. Our performance, how we, if we're going to achieve the being better, like how often do we fail? How often are we flawed? Entertainment is shallow and the emotions are fleeting. Like these things are all wood, hay, and straw. So friends, understanding the materials that we build with, are we building with Jesus? But, but here's what we, we need to recognize. Here's what's great. Here's what, where's gospel hope for us here? Like, what is more beautiful? What is more powerful? What is more lasting? Republican or democratic agendas or the kingdom of God? 
What, what is more beautiful? What is more lasting? What is more powerful? You and I in our flawed, failed, limited power performance or the glorious, beautiful, loving performance of Christ in his life, death, and resurrection that secured salvation for you and me? What, what, what is a greater experience of power? You and I being worked up into emotional frenzy and being entertained or an experience with the living God whose spirit transforms us to the deepest level and we have deep abiding joy because Christ is glorious. Friends, the materials of Christ are far better. They last. They're beautiful. They, they, they fulfill the longing of our hearts. They're a sure salvation, a sure hope, a sure power. And so let us be building with the precious stones of Christ. He's our material, so let's build on him and with him. And so let's build with Christ as we feast in his word, as, as we are shaped by his word, and as we teach others about his word. Let, let's build with Christ as we feast on him in prayer, and we teach others to pray, and we as a community pray together. Let's build with Christ as we worship him and we come together and we worship together and we invite other people in to experience the, the spirit of God and the presence of God in worship. Let us build with Christ as we turn from our sin and we practice confession and repentance and we teach others to confess and repent because the grace of God and the power of God works through those things. Let's build with Christ as we walk in godliness and teach others to be obedient to Christ. Let's build with him as we serve and we serve others and we teach others to serve. And let's build with Christ as we go and proclaim the gospel and when we point people to the sure hope and salvation that is him. Jesus Christ is our gold, our silver, and our precious stone. And so let all that we do, all that we build with, be about him. Finally, we lay a foundation, we build upon that foundation, all the while we know our work will be tested. Whether we build with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, Paul tells us this in verses 13 through 15. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as, though, only as through fire. We take care how we build, friends, because we recognize our work will be judged. The Apostle Paul talks about the day. This is a reference to the day of the Lord when Christ returns in glory and he righteously judges the wicked, but he also rewards the righteous. And Paul uses this image of fire to describe that judgment and that day. Because here's what fire does. Fire tests the metal of materials. It tests the quality of materials. What happens when you put wood and hay and straw in fire? It's consumed. But what happens when you put gold and silver and precious stones in fire? It endures. It lasts. And so what Paul is highlighting for us here is that that day is going to judge the quality of whether or not we have been building with Christ or with our worldly methods. On the day of the Lord, whether we've been building with gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and straw is going to be revealed. 
Now, this whole talk of judgment and reward may throw you a little bit. Some of you may be thinking, well, if we're talking about God handing out rewards, I'm in trouble because I know I'm a big failure. There's no way I'm getting a reward. I know how some of you are performance-driven, and so you're probably thinking, I'm in trouble. Others of you may have the question, which is a good question, how does reward match with grace? I thought our salvation was something that we received as a gift. How does reward work with that? Well, we need to hear both the warning and the promise in this. Well, we need to hear the warning. We should hear how you build matters. If you build, if your methods of ministry and discipleship are man-made, worldly methods, God will not honor it. Even if you're standing on the foundation of Christ, if you are using worldly, man-made methods, God will not honor that work. It will not last. You will not be rewarded because you're not building with Christ. Now, does this mean because God is some sort of harsh taskmaster and he set you an impossible task and he wants you to fail? Absolutely not. The problem is, is not with the call of God. The problem is, is that we will substitute something precious and life-giving that has the true power of God with something that is not precious, not life-giving, and has no power. Look, let's, let's pretend you're a doctor and you have a cure for cancer. And a patient comes to you who's dying of cancer, but rather than giving them the cure, here's what you do. You shoot them full of vitamins and supplements, makes them feel better, but it doesn't cure their cancer and they're still dying. Should you be praised for that? Should you receive a, war, a reward for that? Or, or does it make sense for you to go, how dare you guys see me as harsh and, or how, how dare you, you harsh and heavy-handed people, demand that I give them the cure? We recognize there should be no reward in that. Because why? Because the noble, good, life-giving, lasting thing would be give them the cure. And so God is not in this judgment. God is not judging our well-intentioned, best effort failures that, oh, well, God, I gave it my best. Sorry I didn't meet your standard. That is not what what God is judging. What God is judging is our pride, our lack of faith, our substituting Christ for something less glorious than him. The judgment here is just because God cares deeply about people knowing the true salvation, the true hope, and the true power that is in Christ. But also notice there's grace here. There's still grace here. Verse 15, our work may burn up, we may suffer loss, but we'll still be saved. This is not about performing for your salvation. Our performance here, our our actions here doesn't dictate our salvation. Our salvation is still of Christ, even if we enter into eternity with a sense of loss. And so heed the warning, build with Christ. Build with Christ. And notice, what is being tested? Is it your performance? Is it whether or not you are awesome at ministry and making disciples? No, what's being tested here is the materials. What's being tested here is not our performance, but the materials with which we were using. Reward comes from being faithful to build with Christ. Reward doesn't come from our success. Use the right materials, your work will stand. Friends, this is promise. Don't don't see in this just judgment and warning, but there is also promise. 
Look, through Christ, there is great reward for you in this difficult, messy, sometimes slow and painful work of discipleship. Whether you're discipling your kids, whether you're discipling with, between you and your spouse, whether it's friends and family, whether it's somebody you're talking about Jesus with who doesn't know the Lord, that work is hard, right? And sometimes we don't know if we're doing any good. Sometimes we don't know if the Lord looks on that work and smiles or if he's like frustrated with us. But here's the hope, here's the promise. If you're building with Christ, even if it's messy and painful and slow, even if it doesn't go as you hope, even if there's a sense of failure, if your materials are Christ, there is reward for you because what you're building with is precious and valuable. Think of it this way. If I have a bunch of gold and precious stones, I could sort of work that into a work of art and something beautiful and something sort of sculpted, or I could have that gold sort of blobbed and that silver blob and just have those stones kind of laying on my desk. Both are valuable. Both are worth money. Both matter. Both will last. Both will stand up in the test of fire. And so the promise here, build with Christ and you will be rewarded. Build with Christ and your work will stand. So this warning, it should absolutely humble us, but the promise should encourage us. If your response is, I have to perform better for God, if that's what you hear in this passage, you're completely missing Paul's point. Like looking to Jesus, building with Jesus, isn't about you performing better. It's about setting aside and repenting of worldly methods, worldly mindsets, worldly wisdom, and giving ourselves over more to Christ. It is saying, let Christ be our foundation in the materials. Christ in all we say and do. We aren't looking to perform better. We're looking to exalt Christ more, depend upon him more, use the methods that he has given us and promise to work through. That's vastly different than do better, perform better. Reward isn't about performing better for God. It's a grace. According to the grace given to me, I built, Paul says in verse 10. He worked through the power of the Spirit given to him, and he worked through the materials given to him, which is Christ. Grace. We work with our materials. We work with the power. It's grace. And so our reward is grace. The work you do, the power you work in, all leading to the reward you will receive is grace. Friends, do you know God wants to reward you? Do you know God is not, it's not like he's being stingy and sort of hiding it behind his back. It's like, you better do better. If you want me to give this to you, do better. No, he's like, I've given you everything you need to receive the reward and the blessing. So here's the promise, friends. If you build with Christ, you can be confident in your reward. You can be confident in your reward when you depend upon Christ. So let's build with Christ. If the salvation we proclaim doesn't really save, if, if the hope we stand on isn't secure hope, if the power we live by isn't real life-transforming power, then yes, this is just feel-good social hour and human-hyped religion. But... If there is real salvation, redemption, and restoration in Christ, if there's a real, secure, bedrock hope for us in Christ, if the power of God really works in us and through us in Christ, 
then let's lay that foundation of Jesus. Let's stand on that foundation of Jesus. Let's build with Christ as our materials and our reward. And let's proclaim this salvation and this hope and this power to the world that others might experience the salvation and the hope and the power that is in Christ. Amen? Let's pray.